this is exciting. Welcome to a brand new era of the Raw Deal podcast. My name is Dom Faye. Mike Whiting joins me in our new studios in Cooperu. And Mike, that's our new intro theme. Pumps you up, doesn't it? Oh, I'm pumped. That's such a good intro. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? And this is obviously uh, the amazing James North from James North Productions, who has helped set all of this audio up for us here. Uh, you're going to hear a few more audio bits and pieces from James throughout the show. But we are finally here, Mike. It's been two or three months in the waiting. I think our first meeting about this was here in uh, in my basement on Halloween last year. Do you remember that, that it evening? It was, yeah. I remember hand- handing out the chocolates. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. A few kids of the neighborhood were walking past and you'd give some chocolates out. But we are here at long last. It is the very end of January. Uh, we are getting close. I mean, it's, it feels like an earlier start this year um, than normal. Like, I know it's a week early, but it feels like quite a bit earlier. Are you getting that sense? It does. I've been on holidays for the entire month of January, so yeah, right. maybe I'm uh, on holidays the whole time and I've got to snap out of that mode and into work <laughs> mode now, so it does seem a bit earlier. <laughs> well, look, there's uh, there's plenty to talk through uh, in the back end of this episode, Mike. We're going to give our 2023 predictions, um, which is always fun, especially to listen back to them at the end of the year and see how far off we were, but uh, but we've got a whole range of, uh, of predictions to give there. We're also going to talk a little bit about how you can be involved with supporting the podcast in 2023. We have so many uh, exciting plans for for the raw deal this year. We've been sort of counting down the days until we can get going. Um, what we can say off the top is you will be able to hear us every Monday uh, evening. We're going to record this. And if you are one of our patrons, which we'll talk about a bit later on, you'll get the podcast yeah, immediately Monday night. Everybody else in the podcast feed, first thing, Tuesday morning. So you and I sitting down here, Mike, uh, in the basement on a Monday afternoon uh, will be a thing for the, the rest of the year. Yeah, it will be. I, I can't wait. It's super exciting. Um, great year ahead if, if you're a Lions fan, obviously, which you are if you're listening to this, um, an exciting season ahead. We'll give those predictions later on, but yes. everyone's not here to listen to us today, Dom. No, I they're think. not. They're, they're <laughs> very much not. Although you, uh, just before we do get to our guest who is waiting very patiently over there on the third microphone, you have made a good point that there might be some people listening who've actually never heard of us before, who are jumping on now. Uh, so I am a radio announcer. I'm on the KISS radio network is where you can hear me. Mike is obviously the main reporter for afl.com.au based in Queensland, uh, covering the Lions and the Suns. We've been doing various podcasts for the Lions for a decade, and this is our first time out on our own, uh, our first episode out on our own in this new venture. So it is very exciting, Mike. And you and I were chatting when this launched, you know, we, and, and we've set up this little studio in my basement in Cooperoo. Uh, there's some Lions memorabilia around. There's a signed Lions footy that Justin, one of our uh, key listeners, uh, contacted me on Instagram and said, can I send you some merch, some memorabilia to set the studio up? We've tried to make it look as good as we can. It looks okay, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We've got jumpers, a yeah. footy. I love your little on-air sign we've got yes, here, mate. Yes, little on-air sign to light up. Doing my best to transform the space. But today's guest, we couldn't start with anybody bigger than this guest. And when he did walk in, I did notice that he kind of had a bit of a smirk <laughs> when he walked into my basement. It is, uh, well, I mean, how else can you start a podcast than the player of the century and the uh, coach of the century? Triple Premiership Lions coach, current board member Lee Matthews is here. And Lee, you have been in, I guess, the top media studios of the country over your time in various radio and TV. TV gigs. How do our new studios, aka here in my basement, compare to, to, to those ones? I'd, I'd say basic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's to be nice. Well, you know what? I'd love you. I'll hey, get you a let's face it. All you need is a microphone headphones. That's all you need. That's and true. we got that. We <laughs> got that. It's a very good point. Well, look, there, there's so much we want to talk with you about uh, today. Your thoughts on the Lions season ahead. Um, your former players are in the coaching ranks these days and, and killing it in that domain. But I want to start with the fact that uh, obviously we're coming up to the 20 year reunion of the third of the hat trick of premierships. Um, mm. So I want you to take us back to where you were, what, what your memories are of the off season between 02 and 03. This time, twenty years ago, what was uh, what was filling your mind, and uh, and where, where was your head? 
Well, you asked the question and I'm trying to find the answer <laughs> and I can't even take myself back there. It's funny, I mean, because, I mean, I, I, I don't have a great, uh, a great memory for my football life, certainly games I played in or even games I coached. Just interestingly, I, I was, you know, because you've all got all the replays on Fox, I just channel surfed through Fox the other day and we were playing uh, Port Adelaide in, I think it was about round 19 or 17 of, 2003, right. and I watched it because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that port, that port wow. won by a point or something. But I mean, I, so I haven't got a great memory, so I'm not going to be much of a subject matter for you. <laughs> but I think part of that is if there, if I had one ability, it's to live in the moment. Mm. And, and living in the moment means you're focusing on what you've got to do now and therefore once now's gone – you're focusing on the next now, so yeah. and that's interesting. I mean, you asked the question, "What was I? Th- what was I thinking of the summer, um, 2002, t- t- in between two and three, when you're going potentially mm. going for three in a row?" But I never had that psychology. The psychology was, "How could we the best? Could we be the best that we could be?" Mm. Really, and if and if we did that, well, we had a chance. I mean, premierships are only valid once you're qualified for the grand final. Yeah, yeah. Prior to that, they're just pie in the sky. I mean, they're just words. So, so basically, I guess if there was an attitude in you know, post premiership, it was okay. Enjoy it for. Well, I've got to say, I enjoyed it for a very small amount of time. To be honest, I. How long? I mean, well, hours. Really, I'd almost wake up Sunday morning and feel good, but the main, the main euphoria that you feel when you know you've won and just won. It's just so special, but it's such a small, you know, it's, it's yesterday really very quickly for me. Gosh. So from a coaching point of view, come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after the grand final, you know, and I'm still coaching, um, I'm thinking, what, well, what can we do to be better mm. and to try and be better on the knowledge that if you're not better, you go backwards. That thing in elite sport is just constantly finding a better way of doing things. So that's what I would have been about, trying to actually make sure we the, the best we could we could be. I, I think the one thing that happened at the end of 2002 is Des, Des Hedlund's girlfriend wanted to go back to Perth. She was having a baby. So Des, you know, did what you'd think most people would do. He went back too. Mm. And so Des left and broke Carousella. We were able to recruit to come in to sort of top us up a little bit of of proven players. But again, you, you know, your basic attitude is, okay, what do we can do today and tomorrow uh, t- to make us uh, to make us better? So I can't be anything any more specific than that about my memories of the summer of 2002. So, Lee, are you a historian? Because I'm sure during that period the, the chat would have been Brisbane going for three premierships. It's um, it's not unprecedented, but it's unusual and a, and a, a historical feat that you're going for. Are you, mm. are you using that to motivate yourself or your players or are you purely, as you just touched on, living in the moment no, of we just no. need to get better Living get in the moment. There? I've got a feeling after 2003 when we'd won the three in a row, so now you've got a chance for the four in a row. And clearly to get four in a row, you've got to get the first three. Mm-hmm. So we'd got the first three. And I, and I got a feeling in that summer I might have enunciated the thought of what we're playing for is something unbelievably special, uh, the four in a row. But I don't think I ever had that kind of attitude going into 
into 2003 was all about living in the moment. Like it didn't it doesn't matter much. I mean, so so yeah, I, I want to win 10 in a row. Yeah. I want to win a premiership every time we play. I mean, that yeah. sort of goes without saying. So I don't think it's any great motivation, to be honest, because uh, one premiership in one year is enough motivation. Uh, you know, that that hangs on the on the end of it. But even that, you're not really thinking about until very late in the year when you, you get into the qualifying games. So speaking of 2004 then, uh, the Lions did play Geelong, obviously, in the prelim at the end of last season down at the MCG. First time they faced Geelong in a prelim at the G since yes, that, that yes. season of 2004. Is that still a memory? Um, and I know you've spoken about it a bit. You've written about yeah. it in your autobiography. But does it still get you riled up when you think about that year? Well, only on what what was – yeah, well, only on, the, on what happened in the last couple of weeks. I mean, um, that was the last time that there had to be a grand final at the MCG. Mm. So that's so not a grand final, sorry, the Plumley final. Mm. And Port Adelaide, they, they qualified first, so therefore they got the Adelaide uh, Plumley final, but we qualified second and instead of getting the Gabba, mm. we had to go to Melbourne and uh, and play. Geelong was the opponent, but we should have been playing uh, Geelong at the Gabba. And I guess I'll always look back on that on the basis that, again, as I say, you can't win four in a row if you don't win the first three. Well, we so we'd won the first three, so we'd done that part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to the last week or two when you needed – that would have been nice to get the favours with the um, scheduling. Mm. Um, you know, not only you – know, and, and, and I still uh, – a lot of us a lot of us are cynical about the reasoning behind what happened. Not only was there uh, was we were we made to go and play at the MCG when we should have been playing at the Gabba, they scheduled on on the Saturday night. Therefore, you can't get back. You can't come back to the following afternoon. You're talking minute things, and it just every little bit needed to go our way. Mm. But when uh, when some uh, some intervening uh, scheduling, which is what the AFL, I don't think the AFL wants to win four in a row. Really? Yep. Yeah, okay. Bad for the competition. Yeah. Let's, I know we're jumping around a bit then. So 2003, you talk about the difficulties of the schedule there and the travel and the the fine margins that you're sort of working in. 2003, you lost that first qualifying final. You had yeah. to go the long way. You had to play an extra game. You had to go to Sydney for the prelim. Mm. That must have been so satisfying to not only win the third in a row, but just the path you took to get there, mm. the, the really difficult way of doing it when you're a, a team playing from yeah. outside of Melbourne. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, you just never know. I mean, I, I'm not in a tipping competition because I've got no idea what's going to happen when I go to a game of footy, and yeah. that's what I love about it because it's unpredictable. Bounce the oval ball. John Kennedy, my first coach, said, don't expect it to be fair if you play with an oval ball. I mean, <laughs> there is variations that are going to happen from game to game. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I often, you know, cite that we uh, – we lost a game by about 15 goals in about round eight or nine of 2001. Mm. Lost the following week by five points and then won 20 straight. So you never really know what the future's going to hold. 2003, I, I can remember uh, that 2003 first final, the qualifying final against Collingwood at the MCG and Collingwood overrun us and won by a couple of goals. And We come off the ground where we're now into knockout territory. Clearly we're not going to be playing a home preliminary final, hadn't qualified for that. Michael Voss's knee was a mess. I mean, he just his knee joint was deteriorating really badly. He just, you thought to yourself, you know, have you got any? Has he got any chance of being able to play, let alone play well? Mm. And uh, and it's funny, like how, how things turn. And late that evening, the thought was, well, let's let's take Vossie to David Young, one of the Melbourne surgeons. And it was almost a personal contact of uh, Craig Lambert just to have a look at the knee. 
And, of course, what happened effectively from that is they decided that uh, his, his knee was deteriorating, but it was more the, more the discomfort. Mm. And they virtually denned his knee joint for the that, and see how that went. And it seemed to be like he couldn't feel his knee joint, so he couldn't feel the discomfort. So, therefore, he could be more productive as a player. So that, that gave us a bit of a boost that, okay, we haven't lost Michael Voss for the campaign. Yeah. He might be able to still still contribute and we um, we end up um, beating uh, beating Adelaide, I think it was, in the in the knockout final. And then we went to Sydney and this I've got a ve- vivid memory of. And so we played Sydney at the Olympic Stadium and we were in front and late in the third quarter we were just looking like we we're going to be overrun. I'm mm. not sure what the score was at three-quarter time. Yeah. We might have been a a couple few, of points. A couple of way. points yep. in front. And we just looked like we just looked like we were an aging we were an aging team and we just looked like we were gone. And uh, and Martin Pike led the charge as much as anyone in that final term, but that final term we kicked six goals to almost none. Mm. And then next week played just an incredibly good game against Collingwood and won easily. So so from from being almost out out, down and out at three quarter time of the preliminary final in Sydney. The next five quarters that that team played was just outstanding. Mm. So I mean, I look back on that 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 O three premiership to overcome the issues that popped up and 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 end up winning it. That was just, but again, it was just the most incredible last five quarters of the campaign. You got to be there, yeah. uh, and and uh, and that uh, that sticks in my mind. So three teams have gone on to win three flags uh, since your, your group did it. Only obviously the Hawks doing it with three in a row, but the Cats and the Tigers doing yeah. it also. Of those three other uh, dynasties, who would you have least liked to come up against, do you reckon? Oh, well, I'm, a, I'm sort of a great believer that, uh, you know, each generation is better than the generation before. Um, and that's just a fact of human mm. human performance, I think. You just could get better and better. Um to be honest, I think probably the most dominant dominant team of their era was the Geelong. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, Geelong couldn't quite sort of string together the teams. They, you know, they were they they only lost one game in two thousand eight, but the second game they lost was the grand final, of course. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. otherwise they're going to be winning four out of five years. I mean, they they so they were they were kind of uh, the most dominant team, I think, uh, comparative to Hawthorne or Richmond. I mean, what Richmond did is what you have to do. Mm. Great finals. Yep. I mean, and Dustin Martin has, has played three of the great grand finals, which is why he's won the three Norm Smith medals. That gives enormous status to his players. But they they weren't – and Dustin himself, apart from 17, wasn't that dominant, but come finals time, he was dominant. And that's what our competition's all about. I mean, all the, all the glories about what happens the last couple of weeks. I mean, you've got to remind mm-hmm. yourself there's four teams, a quarter of the competition, still alive in the second last week. So all the glory is what happens in sort of preliminary final, grand final. And the current Lions team, of course, is in exactly in that category. They've, they've won as many games as the, as the as we did in 1-0-4. One, uh, uh, one in that four seasons, they've won over 70% of their games. But mm. just they haven't been able to kind of get that last game or two. Uh, and and therefore, you, you know, all the glory is in the last week or two. We want to get to that maybe towards the back end of the pod here. I'm going to steal some of Dom's th- thunder here, but you were talking about Dustin Martin there and I was intrigued. Um, whether it's Dustin or some other players, which players have you admired maybe in the last 10 years or guys that you maybe would have liked to have coached yourself? Yeah, guys from around the competition. Oh, well, there's a, there's a million of them and because they're just the modern footballer. They're just such superb football athletes. I mean, their ball skills are better than – they were in the old days, mm. and those of us who played in the old days, you feel like you'd like them to burn the vision because you look like suburban <laughs> footballers. Seriously, yeah, 
but that's just the reality. You can only ever compare yourself within your own era. So, so just the you know the the modern footballers, you know the Patrick Dangerfields, the uh, the Joel Selwoods, I guess. Who's mm. I, I admire Joel Selwood particularly because he wasn't. He, he had good aerobic capacity, mm. but he wasn't born with any incredible athletic gifts. Mm. But he made himself an incredibly valuable player. Um, so I kind of tend to you admire the ones who make the most out of what you'd say is mundane athletic skills. Mm. I mean, you got your sort of your your, you know, your buddy Franklin, who just got these incredible athletic mm. gifts for a bloke of his size. You know, with his speed and and his and his kicking and his ground level, his ground level stuff. I mean, so you always admire your. Your Dusty Martin uh, to, uh, to Lance Franklin, Dustin Martin. I mean, there's just so many of them. Yeah. Um, the, the, the the most outstanding player in my uh, in my time around footy has been was Gary Abbott Senior. He, uh, he mm. his his talent was just so freakish. Um, you know that uh, he he stood out. Wayne Carey might have been the best of them all. Uh, in terms of value, but I always go back to I still even even though the modern this century's players are better than last century's. What Gary Ablett Senior was doing in the nineties, I don't know whether anyone's ever done that. Yeah. Well, what about the the current Lions list? If you could have chosen, you go back to two thousand and three, and you could take three players back with you from the current Lions list to pick in your team. Do, do you have a few who'd come to mind? Well, Lockie Neal. I mean, Lockie's been outstanding. I mean, that's. Uh, we're I mean, not going to ask you to drop one of the midfielders. Back yeah. Team, by the way, <laughs> oh, yeah, but, the, but midfield's <laughs> half a team. I mean, yep. the midfield's yeah, yeah. a lot of players. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, Lockie Neal's just been like an outstanding uh, kind of uh, pickup of uh, he, uh, what he does. He's as, he does as good as any. Um, uh, it's interesting, yeah. No, I don't think I'll go any further of actually nominating the ins because I might be uh, inadvertently referencing who'd be out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's ahead, of, ahead of the game, isn't he, Luke? Still, still knows how to do the, the press conferences and play the straight back to the media. <laughs> Let, let's talk about some of those players from that team that have gone on to coach. Yes. You've got yeah. nearly half, well, nearly a quarter of the comp now are guys that, that you coach. What have you got? Craig McRae, mm. the Scott brothers with Brad yeah. coming back now. And Vossi. And Vossi, of course. I was going to say. How do I leave Vossi till last? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you? Is that something you see as a coach that these guys yeah. have got that forethought and that instinct as coaches, yeah. or or did that evolve post career? Do you think? Well, I mean, there's another half a dozen that are doing really valuable. Yeah, there is roles I mean, we, in the in the, in, the, in the assistant rank. Um, well, it's, I mean, it, it's the the coaching, the coaching uh, el- not eligible, but the the qualities of what a coach needs in the modern era is different than it used to be. I mean, if you if I go back a long time, it used to be the best player got a chance to go coaching, mm. which is as simple as that, really. So the alpha male player got a chance to go to coaching. That's, that's you? Is that your path? Yeah, you? that'd probably be yep. my pathway. Yeah, yeah, back in that era. But but and and I guess on that, I mean, Vossi was always that. And when you think of it, uh, it's just I guess quality and power of their character and personality. Both Brad and Chris were like that. But Craig is kind of like the new age coach, a bit like Chris Fagan is, I guess, in in mm. in the lines. That, because what what did happen? I mean, well, fifty years ago, up until about twenty five years ago, I mean, the senior coach did all the coaching, really. But in the modern full time era, where there's a lot, you know, players are full time, you've got full time coaching staffs. It's now a management, a coaching management group, and every club's got a senior coach. But the senior coach's function is very different than what it was a couple of generations ago. Mm. So therefore, the yeah, the the empathetic man, man manager, mm. um, which is what Chris Fagan is, and that's what Craig McRae is. I mean that that 
particular sort of personality, I think is not something you would have uh, expected the senior coach to be a couple of generations ago. So but the, the playing and coaching, I always say it's like being a jockey or horse trainer. They're just the same industry, but they're different roles. So, mm. so the, uh, what you are as a non-field competitor is, is nothing to do really with what you might be as a, as, as a coach, as a manager, as a player manager, as a coaching department manager um, of, of all the things. So, so you'd always would have thought for uh, for most of history uh, the Vossy type personality was going to go coaching, mm-hmm. and probably the Chris and Brad Scott too. Uh, but Craig, I think, is the is the new age personality that uh, more and more is be, is rightly becoming more and more valued. But that that natural empathy uh, for for people, Alan Jeans had it way back. I mean, he would have been a, he would have been as good a coach now as he was mm. back then. Uh, sometimes empathy you got to make up. I had to make it up. I don't think I was naturally empathetic. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to act empathetic at times. <laughs> well, uh, obviously we've seen Lepper have a stint as well and he may well end up yeah. senior coaching again down the track. He's yeah. winning massive plaudits for his assistant work. Yeah. Um, but outside of those five, if there was a, another couple of names of players you wouldn't be surprised from your team to go on to be senior coaches uh, one day, are there a couple who come to mind for you who, who you think may still have it in them if the, the right circumstances arise? Uh, well, I mean, well, all of the ones that are actually – and Nigel Lappin's Nigel. a good example of this because Nigel was always a fairly recessive sort of character, mm. and uh, and you would wouldn't, it wouldn't have thought of uh, when I talk that sort of alpha male Michael Voss type character, he's an incredibly valuable player, Nigel Lappin, but a different personality. Yeah, and uh, but he so he he being a senior coach in his thirties was even Nigel wouldn't even have thought about that. But I suspect now Nigel, who'd been his middle to late. How old would Nigel be now? I'm trying to think. He probably he'd be at least mid forties. Yeah. And 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 the mature man, which is what Craig McRae is, what the Chris Fagan is, I, I reckon there'd be Nigel would be asking himself the question: Could I be a senior coach? That he never would have asked up until the last few years. Mm. One because uh, the, the the maturity, I think, is important now. Like I, I don't think there's always exceptions to every rule, but I don't think any senior coach will be under forty. Yeah, okay. Like, in other okay. words, I mean, there's exceptions to the rules and it'll yeah. happen, but mostly it's a role now for a mature man, not a player who's just come off the field. Mm. And maybe Vossi's a great example of that. His first time around, he's probably learned a lot going uh, back and – Bad club, bad time. The other thing about coaching is you can be at the right club at the right time and the wrong club at the wrong time. What do you obviously he took over from you mm. at the time, Lee? What do you remember? What the conversations? I'm sure he sought your counsel at the time about whether it was a good role to take over or um, no, not really. No, no, no. I mean, we actually what what did happen in what was 2008, 2007, when the the uh, the sons was were uh, in the offing, mm. and there was a thought that Vossi might, might be uh, potentially their you know their first coach. And at some stage, whether it was 07 or 08, we had a conversation with Vossi, myself, and Tony Kelly, who was chairman at the time, about should is there, is there a succession plan potentially in in the wings? And we talk about it. I guess for a, for a succession plan, the incumbent has to say, I'm going to finish at a certain time. Mm. And I guess I wasn't in that frame of mind, so we didn't actually go anywhere with it. But what it did mean is when when I uh, finished coaching at the end of 2008 and decided to, to finish, uh, they appointed Vossi a couple of days later at the club because they'd already done the thinking process about whether Vossi, you know, would be the Succeed, yeah. be the next coach. But, I mean, the, 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 the formula at a footy club to get the right 
well, the right people. You've got to get the right players on the field, clearly, but that that is part of list management, recruiting and coaching and developing and the whole – there's a whole gambit. And mm. nowadays there's a whole – well, a footy club has got 40-odd players now and they had 40-odd players 50 years ago. Mm. But now you've got, you know, another 30 or 40 people in the footy department yep. off field, let alone the a marketing administration and – but the formula of getting the right people, the right CEO, the right football yeah, manager, the yeah. right senior coach, the right conditioning coach, the right medical coach, the right welfare person, like all those roles have to be have to be done. And if you get them and then you recruit well and 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 uh, and, and trade well, um, then you've got some chance of getting a good group of players, which is ultimately what has to what has to happen. And but if that had, doesn't happen at a football club at a point of time, that senior coach will not succeed. Mm, yeah, and, and you look at Leper as well. He probably came along at, at the wrong time in terms of what the setup was, and I guess it really is a bit of a sliding door situation which job you take, isn't it? I don't know football well enough to assess the coach well enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see what the what, what the team does mm, and see yeah. people just say the team is a reflection of the senior coach. Now, okay, I accept that in, as a principle, but it's not just the senior coach now. It's the team and about 30 other people yeah. in the footy department, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of the, – the, a footy team can you, – you, you can – I mean, even when you when you are coaching, you're a premiership coach, you don't know you're getting the best out of your group. No one else mm. knows you're getting the best, best out of your group. So, mm. But if, if the win-loss ratio goes well, okay, the coach gets the credit. If the win-loss ratio goes badly, the coach is going to get the criticism because yeah. that you, you're in the buck stops – Position, but I defy anyone to <laughs> rate the senior coach's contribution on what the team does. Mm. He's part of it, I admit that, but only part of it. It's interesting when it comes to things like coach of the year. Oh, I guess yeah. what you're saying there is we're almost just guessing. Every year we're looking at which team uh, expectations versus what they've well, achieved. You, and the you coach- just, you've just actually named it. Because a team is above expectations, it means the coach must have done yep. a better job than we <laughs> That's what it is, expecting. It? He's going to know Alan G's used to say to me, he said, I don't want to be the best coach, I want to coach the best team. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and there's, only one, there's only one best coach each year and that's the one who wins the premiership. That's the only coach who's going to feel a degree of sort of satisfaction at the, uh, at the end of the campaign. Well, while we are speaking of coaching, one of the big sporting stories in the year ahead is the introduction of the Dolphins in the NRL. Wayne Bennett starting another stint at uh, 73 years old. Yeah. Um, you stepped down at 56, I think you yeah, were, when you yeah. when you retired, and Chris Fagan is obviously coaching. Started about the same age I finished. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just curious, has it ever crossed your mind that maybe you, you did have another stint in you, or, uh, or is that not really a thought you've ever entertained? No, to be honest, it does. I asked myself that question you yeah, know, right. a little bit. I mean, I decided, I mean, I guess at the end of 2008, um, look, I, uh, I had 20 years as a coach. I had 17 years as a player. So for 37 years, the the game of football on the weekend was going to be the be-all and end-all of my existence, really. My mm. life was going to change in some fashion after the game. That's, what, that's the way I was. Um, and I decided at the end of 2008, after that 10-year stint, um, that, that I, you know, I didn't want that to happen again. Um, so, I, so I moved on. And I, I, I've never been even close to thinking about it. But I, I, I made some uh, comments this year, Brad, both Brad Scott and, uh, and Ross Lyon, and I had conversations with both of them. I know Brad well, but I don't know Ross Lyon that well. But once you've coached before, you know the whole deal mm-hmm. and you might get some great moments, but inevitably you're going to get some shocking downers. Yeah. Like I, I would say, I, in that 37 years and dozen grand finals, eight premierships, we lost every third week. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't get any better than that. 
Yeah. So you do a lot of losing. I mean, yeah. there's there's 25 and 37 years, you bail out. You didn't actually even make the grand final. So there's a, there's a lot of downside and, and that's what why a, a coach most coaches who've coached before need to be talked into it, mm. you know, like headhunted. This, yeah. this coaching process is fine. Go through it if you like. But if you want someone who's coached uh, coached previously, most of them will say, oh, I don't know whether that, you know, like I've got to be talked into it. And once they're in, like Brad Scott and Ross Lyon, good example, once once they accept the coaching roles, they're in. Yeah. yeah. Totally committed. But they need to be talked into it and headhunted effectively. So no one's ever headhunted me. Really? Uh, since so you, I, you since I retired in 2008. Never got a phone call from oh, the No, club? I got a couple of phone calls. But I said I, the only way I would have gone back is if someone had convinced me as the Lions did, I guess. Yeah. I mean, even in between the Collingwood, uh, I finished in 95, three years. I've been able to bob around in the media. Most of the mm. time I haven't been playing or coaching. Um, and I wasn't going to coach the Lions, but uh, they asked me, they kept asking me, and after about a month or so, I kind of fell down the well and said, well, okay, let's have a crack. Yeah. But the only way I would have coached after the Lions is if someone had headhunted me. And that never happened. So, therefore, nothing ever transpired. That actually staggers me that no there, one actually came knocking. There it must be clubs. If, if other clubs heard this, they would be kicking themselves yeah, right yeah, but now. Remember, Just a, to ask a, the question. A 55-year-old coach was an old coach even That's yeah. true. Uh, yep. 15 years Our ago. Now, now all of a sudden with Chris Fagan and, uh, as, an, as a prime example that uh, that coaching – and you mentioned Wayne Bennett. Wayne might coach till the day he dies. He, <laughs> yep. he, he doesn't look like retiring anytime soon. So, I think it's – we we often talk about American sport, doesn't it, where yeah. a lot of the coaches are in yep. their 60s, 70s. Yep. Um, and some of the college coaches are even even older than that. that but Could um, you still have another stint in your league? No, I mean, I, Wayne's I'm 73. Gone. Yeah, no, I've gone now. I mean, <laughs> I, always, I, always, <laughs> I, always, I always think yeah, most, mostly it can only – I mean, the media kind of you're around the footy scene, but mostly mm. two or three years outside club levels about the maximum, I reckon. Mm. I mean, this is where James Hurd – has been interesting because he's been outside club level for a lot of years. Yeah, it's, you know, and and he he spent half a season you know close to the Giants this year. But that that that'd be a big call to. Uh, I mean, he's a very capable person, James Hurd. But if you had, if you had not not involved behind the scenes at club level, um, again, two or three years maybe. But if you've been away for half a dozen years, it'd be very hard to think you can pick up the cudgels that quickly. Mm. Mm. Let's talk about Brisbane, should yes, we? Yes, let's this, do that. This coming year, Lee, uh, obviously you touched on earlier, they've been knocking on the door for mm. three or four years. W- what needs to change, do you think, in your opinion? Or- oh, well, ultimately they've got to have a, have a better plumery final and grand final. <laughs> but you've got to get there. I mean, yep. well, I mean, they must, they, they've got the formula in place. The behind-the-scenes group are really good, from Greg Swan down. I mean, you know, the Greek, the whole lot. Danny Daly now is footy manager. Uh, I think Chris Fagan's a revelation as a, as a coach. And... But their but their list management to uh, to get players in over this last half a dozen years when it was Lockie Neal originally and Charlie Cameron and you know they've they've done a fantastic job and and the senior coach is always a big part of that to to they have a conversation with Chris Fagan and they like him and they want to be coached by him I mean it's fantastic really but this year I mean with with Dunkley coming in Gunston coming in I mean a uh, couple of really good youngsters I mean Will Ashcroft's obviously an incredibly young 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 player but you know Dunkley and Gunston of Proven, uh, proven players who who've come in. I mean, they they've done a great job at just keeping topping up their group. But ultimately, what has to happen? Well, they have to win as many games as I mean, they've been winning fifteen and sixteen games. That's hard to do. 
uh, and they've been getting to the top four thereabouts and getting to preliminary finals. But, you know, the answer is quickly – and you got to get there. If you don't get there, you've got no hope. Mm. But you've got to be able to you know, do uh, win the preliminary final and eventually win a grand final if you want to win the premiership. So the Lions are knocking on the door. But there's 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 nothing as if all of a sudden if you uh, improve a they want to improve everywhere clearly mm. so that that there's no doubt that there's no there's no resting on the laurels going along at the footy department of the lines resting on the laurels so they're they're doing their best to be as good as they can be and if they can just be that little bit better and it's, sometimes you strike a bad year like Geelong by the at the end of this year mm. looked like outstanding mm. as Melbourne did twelve months ago but. Doesn't mean because you're outstanding at the end of one year, you're going to take that into the following year. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, just the last two years, you've had two outstanding teams come that last week or two of the finals. Well, you did mention uh, Will Ashcroft. Uh, obviously, you did coach his dad for for many many games. Um, do, do you see? I don't know how much of Will you've seen in None. terms of his draft footage. You haven't seen any. No. Have you Have you met him over the journey at all? Oh, I would have. I don't know whether I've uh, met him in the last. When he was a little tacker, maybe. Yeah, yeah well, he yeah, was a little tacker. I don't, I, I've seen, I've seen uh, Marcus and his mum and dad a little uh, on occasion. They're back in Melbourne, of course, a lot on occasions over the last few years. But I don't know whether I've actually even shaken hands with that. Uh, I don't think <laughs> right. I've been in the same place at the same time as Will that I can recall, to be honest. But he's, a, but he's what he's done at under eighteen level has mm. been unbelievably good. So, a very mature young man, you know. He, so no, it's a it's a fantastic bonus for the Lions that he's chosen to come up. Well, you, you you've basically mentioned you're not maybe the most sentimental person on the planet, but is there a bit of sentimentality to have uh, Marcus's son, who obviously you coached the three premierships, joining the club as a as a highly rated prospect? Do, do you have a moment of sentimentality about that? Uh, no, the sentimentality is for fans. I mean, I, I I love the Ashcrofts. I love Marcus and Beck, and I wish Will all the best. But you know that you are. You, I'm trying to give an honest answer to that one. Is, is, is it uh, is it an issue for me that? Oh yeah, it's, pro- it's probably yeah. Okay, I'm, well, I'm just I'm searching my mind and soul searching as you ask the question, uh, Dom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nice to have Marcus's son in the in the fold. So, is what you're asking there, Dom? Do you like the father son rule? Is that what you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's just- a that's a spin off of the question, okay. I guess. Yeah. I, I more just meant you know when you say, share something so special with a group of guys over yeah. over you know three four like years, to see Will in yes. the same jumper. Yeah, yeah. just to yeah. see to see one of their kids yeah. coming in. You yeah, know? yeah, no, nah. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I got. A, I thought we'd wrap up with a, a couple of quick ones, Lee, um, before we did let you go. And we're very grateful for your time um, coming in today. Um, but a couple of broader topics. Obviously, Tassie looks like they're a good chance of coming in. Um, if you were to put a, they were going to put a twentieth team in the AFL after Tassie, where would you put it? Where do you reckon the twentieth should go? Uh, well, I don't even want a nineteenth team. Don't you? I mean, I accept the Tasmanian thing will happen. Yep. But it's unfortunate. Like we're getting a lot of teams in the country the size of Australia, mm. but but the answer to that question is everyone thinks if a nineteenth team comes in, there's probably going to be a twentieth. The AFL have done a, a really good job of equalising the competition financially, so there's no club that is actually bankrupt. Yeah, that mm. might go out of business or would go to Tassie as the foundation club. So on that basis, you keep you keep getting more and more teams, and I, I guess that the logic would be Northern Territory, I suppose. Mm. But see, the, the, the thing about Tasmania is that the Tasmania is only working because it is the one club in Australian sport that I'm aware of that the, that the state government is promoting the team yeah. and putting in $12 million yeah. a year for the next 12 years just for the running of the team. Yeah. Mm. And, and then the stadium part of it, which I suspect is what is holding up mm. and actually happening. But – that's a very rare situation. Like, for instance, would the Northern Territory government put in twelve million a year for a Northern Territory team? Mm. 
because that that's this is the problem. The the AFL don't want to bring in another team. The AFL's already got six or eight teams that need extra funding than the Eagles and Collingwood and those clubs need. Yeah. So you don't want to, you don't want another club who actually needs the extra funding, but the state government in Tassie is prepared. Must think the population want the team and they're prepared to do it. So to go to a twentieth club without actually, uh, without actually, what's the word, topping them up a lot. Mm. It's uh, it's a very interesting competition. The AFL, the way it's the way it's been uh, been run. Mm. Uh, but again, I'm not I'm not in favour of nineteenth team, but I accept that the Tasmanian team will happen. And uh, what about uh, something that's been a big part of Gabba games in recent years has been when each Lions player gets to pick a goal song. They kick a goal, their song comes on over the speakers. If you were playing footy today, Lee, what would your goal celebration song be, do you think? Jeez, Dom, you need a bit, a bit more thinking than, than <laughs> yeah. just off the top. You can top throw of my... some options out there if you want. No, there, well, when, when I get asked a question, I'll give you the answer of what's popped into my mind. Nothing okay. popped into my mind. So uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no favourite song that you'd love to hear blaring around the gallery. I mean, uh, Charlie has Country Roads, obviously. Yeah. A lot of people complain about, mainly um, yeah, yeah. Melbourneies complain about music after goals. So that's maybe that's Lee's answer to it. No, no song for me, just yeah. the sound of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably of the older generation that doesn't particularly like the the noisy grounds that now the marketers seem to think that's mm. what the young people must want. But I do remind myself I'm I'm the older generation now, so the uh, the future's about the youth of the country, not the uh, not uh, not us oldies. Well, one more then uh, before we wrap up, um, Lee. Obviously, you've been quite famous in recent years for what is dubbed the Lee Matthews rule. If there's more minutes on the clock left than, oh, yeah. than goals required, then <laughs> that the comes up so, so much. <laughs> so much. I don't know what that, that only popped up. That that was my my coach's box psychology. Right. Okay. I'm sitting in yeah. the coach's box, yeah. and the game is going on. And when we were more goals in front than minutes to go you know, with, with, to a certain degree, then mm. I think I will put – like, in other words, we're four goals in front at three minutes to go and think, yeah, we're probably going to win now. Yeah, we're sure. So th- that's what it was all about. And, and I must have <laughs> mentioned that on one of the broadcasts. And now, But I mean, the, the basic reality is you can kick a goal a minute for a few minutes. You might yeah, not kick yeah. ten of them or yeah, six of them. But <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, it gets mentioned a bit, doesn't I, it? Well, I was curious, but the the 6-6-6 rule, it has opened up yeah. stri- scoring from stoppages. Yeah, yeah. Do you still think it's goals and minutes? Do you think the equation's changed a little bit? No, 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 it's still goals and minutes, but even more so because you can't probably – you can't load up your defence at centre bounces, which is the mm. – I mean, I've been involved in the footy for 50-odd years and the centre – remember, I was, when I first started playing, there was no centre square. Mm. So you could congest the centre bounce if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and that that rule is obviously now we think what well, how would it be if we didn't have the centre square to decongest the centre bounces and the six 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 is the best rule almost since then yeah because it makes it makes the players spread out and the coaches as we know they they want to out, sort of outnumber at different areas of the ground that's what coaches want to do but the uh, the the make it makes games much more exciting because uh, it makes it more likely that the, the team behind might be able to mm. score quick goals or two late in games. Well, Lee, we are so grateful for you making time to join us uh, in this new era of the Raw Deal. So grateful for all you've done for the club and, and for joining us today. Thank you so much for making time. Okay, thanks, guys. And as Lee Matthews wanders out of the garage, Mike, you're hearing another piece of our new music here. This is Fortune Telling's new theme. That's right. Against all logic and against any justifiable sense of rationality, Fortune Telling has made the new the new iteration of the raw deal. Does the new stinger bring more luck? I think so. I reckon and I reckon, by the way, James North from James North Production, who we keep thanking here, has done an amazing job with these these audio stingers. That's a bit Stranger Things mix, uh, meets the Brisbane Lions theme there. Um, but we are going to give our 
predictions for the year ahead here uh, as Lee wanders out. What a treat, by the way, to kick off with Lee Matthews. I remember when that I said... doesn't get better. Well, when I said to you, do you reckon we could get Lee Matthews in here in the studio as my our first guest? You were like, uh... I was, wouldn't have thought th- this so. Is classic, <laughs> this is classic me and Dom. <laughs> it really is. Dom's the really ambitious one and I'm the really conservative one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Dom gets ahead <laughs> because he's ambitious and he pushes and he gets there. Yeah, well... It's kind of how our, the podcast started 10 years ago by true, Dom actually. being... Um, it wasn't ambitious, but mm. it was um, proactive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what kicked us off and it's what's kicked us off this time as well because you were keen to get Lee and, well, we got him. Well, you got him. My mantra, got him. Well, my mantra is generally why not give it a crack if yep. you have an idea. And it was funny because uh, somehow, I, I can't say how, but I did come across Lee Matthews' phone number and uh, and I sent him a text saying, hey, Lee, you've been on the podcast before. You'll probably have no memory of who I am, but we'd love to get you on to do this if possible. And then I'm sitting in my school job down at Coomera. And I'm just sitting there typing away and my phone rings and it's Lee Matthews. <laughs> and I turned to my friend Tash, I share an office with, and I showed her the phone and said, I don't know what to do. Were you doing like the little dance or something there, like waving your phone around, a little dance. Well, I don't was, know why I'm doing an action. Like people can see me. It was more, honestly, it was more fear. It was more like, I don't know, like I'm overwhelmed by this situation. Lee Matthews is cool. You don't get that every day. Um, but yeah, thankfully he did agree to, to come and join us, which is I a pretty special way to kick things I off. I bet a few other people have been fearful of getting a call from Lee Matthews oh, for other reasons over the years. Very but, true. Yeah. I mean, and I think the a big takeaway, day like I'm still blown away um, from the fact that, that he just said no other club really have went hard at him to coach again. That Amazing. is just insane. Yeah. How is that It looks possible? silly. You know, I mean, it looks silly now. It's silly in hindsight. Yeah. Um, and maybe if a few other clubs listen to this or, or people <laughs> attached to other clubs, they might be ruining them, ruining yeah. it as well, kicking themselves as well. Well, as I said, Wayne Bennett's going around. Have one more crack at him, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Have one more crack at Lee. You never know. Open the checkbook. Yeah, see what happens there. Um, all right. Well, we, we're going to get to a couple of the nuts and bolts of the podcast and how you can be a part of it a little later on. Right now, the mic, the fortune telling music has fired off. So let's give our predictions for the year ahead. Uh, I've given you, I sent this to you earlier today. Dom's given me notice. Sometimes he throws <laughs> questions at me, which <laughs> is fair true. enough. I don't mind those occasionally, but yeah. I do like a little bit of time to think. Today, well, because there's a lot of them. I've given you a lot of predictions to make. It's a bit of an exam um, and you've been given open book on this one. So you've had a chance <laughs> yeah. to look ahead. The first question, I suppose, is the big one everyone wants to know. Lions overall result for 2023. Where are you going to launch in with that? I've got them fourth on the ladder, Yep, which is in keeping with a round where they've been the last four seasons. Yep. And I've got them losing in the grand final. So I think okay. it's another step forward, Yep, but not quite the ultimate step. Wow, what a morbid way to kick off the podcast. <laughs> I know, second, only finishing wow. second, only making the grand final. Welcome I'm a me. real hater. <laughs> I've got them first in premiers. For yeah. what it's worth, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think, look, there, there aren't any excuses now. That's the one thing that is true about this season. Absolutely, and that's going to bring a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Final seasoned, mature group, every hole on the list is filled. They now have the elite facilities. At the moment, the injury list looks pretty good. I think the expectations couldn't be any higher, and I think the club's going to rise to me. Them. I think it's going to be a pretty dominant year that we're going to uh, remember for a very long time, 2023. What I did like is that the expectations were there in the finals last year yeah, and they met them uh, against Richmond and Melbourne. Yes, lost against Geelong, but they've had a, I mean, they've had a taste for a number of years about expectations and pressure, mm. but that was heightened pressure in the finals last year and they dealt with it quite well and they're going to have that for most of this season. So mm. um, we'll get to this as the season gets closer but it's a you know a tricky start to the season and yeah, it is. Y- you want to win matches early because you lose a couple early and the heat comes pretty quick but well, we've both got them finishing high and yep. making the final game of the season 
Don't try to get in with my optimistic prediction. <laughs> You've got them losing a heartbreaker. Do you know, I've told you this, that I uh, it's my birthday off the I didn't say it was going to be a heartbreaker. They might get <laughs> they might get shat on. I don't know. I just don't, I just don't think they'll win. <laughs> do you uh, do you know who do you have a tip for who'll beat them? Or you're not I, ready yet? I, no, I'm not I, I'm going to save that for AFL.com. Oh, okay. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, that's fair. That is your actual employer, so you do that. Um, but I, I will say, uh, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, that this year I turned 30 uh, on September the 30th, mm. which is grand final day. So I keep thinking I turned 30 on the 30th. It's grand final day. The Lions are a, re- a red hot chance. Got to say, it'll be a pretty uh, rubbish 30th if it they make be. the grand final. Yeah, I pay my thousands to fly down there and they lose. So I'm hoping you're wrong from a personal level. Yeah. Um, best and fairest winner. Who's going to take him the Merritt Murray? Gone see. out on a massive limb to yep. say Hugh McCluggage. Yeah, I've got him too. Have you? Yeah. yeah that's I think well. that's maybe a little bit of want from me as well. Yep. I feel like he's just – we'll get to all Australians a bit later, but yeah. – um, He's always the guy that just misses the best and fairest. He just misses the all Australian team. Yeah. He's always there and thereabouts, but always the bridesmaid, never the you know, that's that's Hugh. Yeah. I feel like and this is the year he's gonna mix inside, outside. Mm. Um, we've seen him play great footy over a number of seasons. I think he'll just continue to get better. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'm with you on that one. Leading goal kicker. Let me just go to my list <laughs> go here, back Dom, to your because, notes. I, because I, I did change this one. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I wrestled with this a little bit, but then I've, I've, this is where my most ambitious is. Oh, okay, this will be interesting. I, yeah. I've gone a little bit ambitious too, I think. Mm-hmm. I've gone Eric Hipwood. Okay, right. Yeah, so, I've, I've gone hippie. I, I think um, right. I think Jack Gunston brings another level of um, attention that opposition will need to bring. Mm. Um, it might free up Eric Hipwood. I think Eric will roam up the ground a bit. I think... Joe, my thinking was Joe Danaher will have to play a few minutes back up ruck here and there. I'm not quite sure how that ruck's going to work out this yeah, year with yeah. the extra men on the bench and whatnot. So that's really getting into the minutiae. But I liked what Hipwood did last season. I loved what he did in the finals. Mm. And I think he's going to continue that on. I think he'll have a little bit more space to, to roam this season and hopefully he's got that left that left boot kicking it straight. So. You know, I watched bits of that Richmond final back the other day. He was so enormous in that first yeah, half. Yeah, fantastic. Kept, kept us in it. Kept Brisbane in it, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I'm. Uh, mine doesn't sound too ambitious. Just wait until a little later on when it gets more ambitious. But Joe Danaher is my tip. Yeah. And the reason I'm going Joe Danaher is, I, th- I think we can probably say this, I don't, he's a very private guy, but I don't think he'll mind this necessarily, to say that he's moving rurally um, mm. is a bit of common knowledge. Now, if Joe gets upset that I've said publicly that he's moving rurally, that could be anywhere. <laughs> That could be anywhere, Joe. But he has uh, he, him and his partner, I believe, are moving to a rural location, and I think he not pl- Ascot. No, not no. Ascot. No, um, and the so flowing uh, fields. Ascot. <laughs> well, I think um, when you look at his time in Melbourne, I'm pretty sure his best footy in Essendon came when he was mm. had moved away rurally and was able to get out of the the bubble and and sort of just on land somewhere. Shoulder surgery, yeah. bit of a rocket at the end of last season, apparently about yeah. having to bring different elements to his game. So. Yeah, I like it. I think yeah. the safe option for both of us might have been to go Charlie Cameron, but I, I yeah. like that we've gone a, a little bit, probably a little bit different there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, breakout season for you. Now, th- this that, is hard because it is, breakout season could mean many different things. It, it really could. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned this. I was almost going to come to you before we started the episode and get a bit of clarity on the definition, but let's mm. just discuss it now. Yeah. I'm going to – I've sort of got two names down, but I'll stick with one I'm, okay. and I'm going to go with Jack Payne. Okay, yeah. I like oh, that. I like that a lot. He does. He he looks like he'll get the opportunity with the unfortunate news of Marcus Adams, mm. um, you know, going onto the inactive list. So you would think Jack Payne's the front runner to take that spot. And I think Jack's been in and out of the team for a, a few years now. Obviously, the fourth of those key defenders, Harris Andrews, Marcus Adams, and Darcy Gardner, and Jack's sort of been the fourth. He's come in when there's been an injury or someone's um, 
you know, been on the sidelines. So I think he's a player that will thrive with some continuity and a bit of belief, a bit of a, hey, Jack, you're you're the man. This is your job. We've mm-hmm. seen that he can intercept Mark. I think that'll be encouraged again. Um, and I, I really expect him to take the leap from – he'll get an op- – I think he'll get the opportunity and I expect him to grab it with both hands and go from not only a consistent member of the team but a guy that can influence matches. Well, you and I have had this chat about Jack. Uh, at some stage last year that I had a I had a bit of a concern, to be honest, um, that the Lions had a, a real list squeeze on there mm. because they had four key defenders, you know, in Adams, Gardner, Andrews and Payne, who all four of them really are best 22 quality. And you weren't going to be able to hold on to all four. One of them, if all four were fit for another year, I think there's a very good chance one of them, the one who doesn't play, would have been traded out, you know, would have been targeted by other clubs because key defenders, we see that every trade period, they are so valued and, and so valuable. And I was worried that Jack as the young guy could have been that. So as much as it's obviously the the worst circumstances for it to come about in, and um, you know, our thoughts very are, very much are with Marcus, who you and I are both especially fond of as, yeah. a, as a human being. Yep. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see Jack get get his go. Um, my breakout season. It, th- this is a tricky one because again, this is someone who's probably already broken out by all definitions. But it is Camarena. Yep. Um, I, I I think Camarena. No, I. I I think that fits for me. Yeah, okay. Because I think there's still maybe breakout. There's levels to go, which yes. you're going to get to here. But I, I think that's fair enough. So I, I think Cam Rayner will be – this probably is going to start to articulate what I mean by breakout. I think he'll be top three in the Merritt-Murray medal. Um, I th- well, that's I, a clear breakout. Yeah. Yep. So I have – I if I had to give my pick on this now, I would have uh, Hugh winning it. I'd have Lockie Neal second and I'd have Cam Rayner third. There's still a so, little bit of um, potential around Cam, yes, I would say. yes. Which yeah, I, I guess is what you're getting at. Yeah. I, I, there's this element where we've seen absolutely amazing glimpses, but he hasn't yet become one of those players who every single week is in your best handful of, of players on the field. And I think this will be his year for that. So that's why I'm going Cam there. Uh, all right, we move to the next one. Uh, all Australians. Firstly, um, I want to ask you for your the, the ones, how many in the 22? And then you can throw in the extra so you're also adding into the squad. So how many okay, have you got, got in the 22? I've got three in the 22. I've yep. been pretty conservative there and I've got okay. six in the squad. Yep. Obviously factoring in, yes, this is a Lions podcast, <laughs> but we both think they're going to finish top four yep. when the team's picked. With, uh, yeah. When the team's picked, you don't know that they've made the grand final. So That's we true. think they're going to be a very highly competitive team. So I don't think six six is a, probably a big number, yep. but it's not inconceivable if you've got a team finishing the top four. I'll so start with the- Start with the four who, are, who make the 22. Sorry, I've got three in the 22. I'll say three. Start sorry, I've three. got three. And yep. I'm being very conservative there mm. uh, in, in terms of these players. Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron- Yep. And Hugh McCluggy. He'll finally make it. <laughs> there we go. It's huge here. I mean, I've backed him to win the best and fairest. I think if he's winning a best and fairest yep. in a team that contains, you know, Lockie Neal, mm. et cetera, et cetera, I think he's probably going to make an All-Australian. So, And who are the other three, three then who make the squad for you? The, the other three, um, I'll be keen to hear what you think about these. I've yep. got – this could have been almost my breakout player, to be honest. Okay. Yep. K- Kitty Coleman. Oh, he's a squad. I like that. I, think I he's like that a lot. Squad. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Harris Andrews. Yep. And your man. Zach, Zach Bailey. Bailey. There we go. Yeah, Zach. I like that. Yeah. We've got some differing thoughts here on the All Australian. Yeah, okay. I really like this a lot. Yeah. Um, that's brilliant. So, I mean, your, tell, tell me who your 22 are and then yeah, who's so in your 22 and then who's in your squad. I got four in the 22, six in the squad. So, one more in the 22, but same number in the yep. squad as you. So, my four in the 22 are Hugh McCluggage, Lockie Neal, Harris Andrews, who I think is going to bounce right back yep. to form this year. I'm tipping big things for Harris. And this is where things start to get ambitious. Joe Danaher. Yeah, okay. I think Joe Danaher is going to be the all. all it's Australian funny. I did. Half, half funny four. you say that. I toyed with Hipwood. I mean, you had Joe okay. as your leading 
goal kicker I've had Hipwood. Yep. Once again, we come back to a successful team, what we project to be a successful team, mm. very high scoring team. Yeah. Year after year, one of the highest scoring teams in the competition. And that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a very big year for Joe this year. Uh, and, and then I've got two extras who make the squad in Cam Rayner. I think he'll make the other uh, squad this year. And here's my real outlier, Connor McKenna. We have got <laughs> Dom's back. <laughs> Dom's back. <laughs> That's right. I've come Mate, back. I haven't even got him in my Brisbane Lions 22. Don't, don't you? Okay. Well, we, we will be getting to best 22s in the week ahead, or weeks ahead. So stay tuned for that. But no, I reckon Connor McKenna's, I think he's going to almost be the story of the year. Mate, you're Brisbane trying to make friends with any Essendon fans here, aren't you? Joe Danner in the, in the, in the I AA22 I think, and Connor McKenna in the squad. I think they'd loathe me for saying it, to be honest. I think I that's think the last they thing they too, want. Dom. <laughs> but it's, look, it's interesting. I, I just have a sense. I, I, I know I said this at the end of last year. I think Connor McKenna is going to shock a lot of people. I think he's going to have an outstanding season and be one of our best. So um, that's my tip there with Connor McKenna. Mate, we are pretty wildly different there, aren't we? We are a bit, which is fun. Yeah. I like that. Um, headline we will see this year, Mike. Maybe on AFL you maybe on an inferior publication, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but what's that? What's a headline we will see in twenty twenty? I think we're going to see my my man mm. Brandon Stasevich commits long term to the Lions, so he's yeah, nice. not out until the end of twenty twenty four. So he's got a mm. another two seasons on his contract. But as we've seen with Brisbane, Brisbane like to get ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, now I. I don't know this. I'm not reporting this. This is just we're speculating here. Yeah. Um, I just think they'll try and get ahead of it and and sign him up long term early. I know. I mean, obviously he likes it here. There's no reason he's going to want to move that, anywhere or go home or any of no. that sort of. This they've is just home done it with him. Zach Bailey recently. They've done it with Zach, and yeah. I did think um, earlier, you know, in the past week that. Last time, Zach and Brandon actually were announced at the same time. Right, okay. And it made me sure. think, you know what? Maybe Brandon's not that far away. I'm not saying it's going to be imminent. It might be halfway through the set. I just think they're going to lock him up long term this season. Yeah, I like season. that. I like that a lot. Uh, my headline we will see, uh, <laughs> Joe Danaher wins the Coleman medal. Uh, <laughs> There's a theme there. here. There is a theme. Uh, look, I just have this uh, – I have a, a sense that Joe is going to have an enormous year and I think he's going to kick somewhere between 70 and 80 goals and win the Coleman, um, which, you know, would be pretty thrilling. Uh, I think what Brownie, Brownie was the last Coleman yeah. winner we had. Um, I, I think that in the frustrations around Joe, uh, in, in particularly last year probably, I think a lot of people have perhaps forgotten just how talented he is. Yeah. I think you put someone like a Jack Gunston in that forward line who is going to you know be someone oppositions have to be so, so careful of. I think Joe's going to get a little bit of freedom. I think he's going to love it. I think he's going to be in a better headspace living regionally, as I said, <laughs> very vague regionally. Um, but I think he's going he's gonna to take that and absolutely run with it and, um, and have an enormous year. So... So uh, that's that's my tip. Um, I'll kick off headline we won't see. Uh, I have the headline we won't see this year is Hawthorne racism scandal resolved. Um, I have a bit of a, a gut feeling that this one's going to drag out in some form or another beyond 2023. I know that initially Gillan McLaughlin said he wanted this solved by Christmas 2022. I think we all knew that wasn't going to happen. And um, in my mind, the last example we have of something like this where the, you know, the legal profession got so heavily involved was the Essendon saga. Mm. And I remember that that just dragged yes. on and on and on. So I don't think I don't think it's gonna. Thankfully, I don't think it's gonna play a big role in the season. I think it sort of has moved to the back burners. Um, it doesn't seem to be occupying a lot of the public um, conversation anymore, which is is probably good news for every party involved that it can be processed and sorted in the best appropriate way, not played out in the public sphere too much. But um, but I do think that that we won't see a, a clear resolution this year. 
I think you're right. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I hope. But I do think you're right. I hope I'm wrong too. But um, what about you, Mike? Do you have a lighter headline we won't see this year? I do have a lighter one. (laughs) I hope people take this in the spirit that it's going to be delivered. (laughs) Chris Fagan embroiled in tense post-match moment with journalists. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we'll see that headline. Okay, for a bit of context there, that is very lighthearted. Yes. It made a little bit of news last year that myself and Fags had a – Tense moment post match against uh, the Essendon match. It was actually we've. De- I mean, we kissed and made up a long time ago. Well, it's funny we're, actually. We're Mike, all good. If we talked about this a, a little bit at the time, I think. But being a club podcast, we couldn't really talk about it at that particular juncture. And the twenty or thirty minutes you and I had on Zoom that week before we started recording would have been. I wish I could have released <laughs> because it was not that there was anything particularly juicy or scandalous, but just hearing about some of the ins and outs of the the night or the yeah. after- was it a night or afternoon? I can't even remember. It was a late afternoon. Late afternoon. It was yeah. It was around. F- I think the match. I think it was. Yeah, it was a late afternoon finish. Might have been a five or five or six o'clock finish. But he did. Well, he called you a couple of days later. Was it that that you've sort of patched everything? Oh, uh, yeah. He could, yeah, yeah. We spoke that. We spoke that night. Yeah, we spoke mm. a, about an hour and a half after the incident, and then we spoke the next day. And it was. It's probably not something to rehash right now, but it'll be something <laughs> I'd like to get. Uh, it's something I'd, I'd be happy to not like to, but I'd be happy to discuss it a bit more length mm. um, at another stage. But yeah, it was. It's a pretty. No, it's not. It's just a. It's a busy couple of days. There's a yeah. lot going on. There's a lot of people involved. It was. But anyway, it's all fine. All in um, the past. All in the We've past. We've moved on. And we can. We'll. I mean, we're not chuckling about it yet, but I think me and Fags will chuckle about it one day for sure. <laughs> well, maybe you could use this as bargaining power to get him to come in studio for the podcast. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just throw that one out there. Then all is all is well if that happens. Um, we'll move on to the Sorry, next one. Just quickly, yeah. I will throw this one out there. I did joke with someone at the club. Mm. Um. Maybe a couple of days after that, actually, that that, that we had our little um, moment that we should do a little social media post with me and Fags shaping up to each other. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> In the boxing like pose, but that was uh, <laughs> it was probably a little too fresh for too it to, to go out, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe maybe we can do that when we get him in here maybe. into the basement. Um, we'll work on that. Uh, biggest riser of the other 17 clubs. So the, the club who you think will jump the most places up the ladder. Yeah, tricky. There's a couple of candidates here, but yep. I'm going with the, the other club that I know the best, Gold Coast. Yep. I think they're going to – they finished 12th last year. Mm. They made it a nice little jump last year. I think they're going to make a big jump this year. Okay. I think they're going to play finals, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won a final. So I, yeah, I, cool. I think they're, and I think to go from 12th to, oh, let's say winning a final, I think that's a big jump. Yeah, that's so a massive jump. They're ready. They've got, they're still caught relatively inexperienced, but those guys have now got four and five years together, most of them. So I think yeah. they're ready for a jump. And like Brisbane, to a slightly lesser extent, there will be pressure on them this year. Yep. They will be expected to play finals, so there will be pressure. And they've got a very difficult opening to their season as well. Not that it's a Suns podcast, but I expect them to make the leap. Ben King coming back in, you can't understate how big that is. No, it'd be, be huge. Can't yeah. wait to see how he goes coming off an ACL. We saw last year with, with Eric Hipwood mm. um, that it took a little bit of time, but Ben's probably got a bit of an advantage in the fact that he's got a whole preseason to work through, whereas Hippie yeah. came back in, dropped plopped into the middle of the season and said, yes. mate, go and play AFL. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was very difficult for him and I think Ben's got a little bit of an advantage there. So can't yeah. wait to see how he goes. Who, uh, who have you got? I've actually got West Coast, um, which will surprise Gee, that, a lot of people. That, that surprises me. But yeah. I, I looked at their list the other day. Now, I still think West Coast, I hope there's no West Coast fans listening, I still think they haven't really begun their rebuild. <laughs> like I looked at their mm. list the other day. They, there's still a lot of mature talent They've on that list. they to quite a bit of it. Yeah, they really have. And, and I kind of feel like there's enough mature talent on 
on that list to give them at least a better year, uh, maybe two better years, and then they're going to drop off again and have a couple of years down the bottom would be my prediction. But I think West Coast could be up around ninth or 10th again this year just because there's enough mature talent on that list. Something's been wrong, uh, like something's been kind of rotten off-field at that club for a while now, ever since COVID. It just hasn't quite felt right. I feel like they get that right over the, the summer, and uh, there's more than enough talent there for them to be doing better than than bottom four. Um, they, if they're doing bottom four now and that's their list, they need to probably end of this year trade out or, or move on a lot of those older guys. I thought guys. they did that last year a bit more yeah. aggressively, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. So that's what makes me think they'll do a bit better. The other one that I did flirt with was uh, St Kilda. I just wonder mm. the impact Ross the Boss might have there. Yeah. Um, but will I? That spark. Yeah. So they, I've, I've sneakily gone to there. Um, biggest faller of the other clubs. Who, who will I fall actually found this one really difficult. Yeah, because everyone always wants to say Geelong and then they keep- No, I'm never- I think I've said this on this podcast. I'm not doing it ever again. I just don't (laughs) think they will. I I haven't haven't gone Geelong. I don't think they will. I mean, we're not going to rehash their off-season, but they rejuvenated beautifully Mm. in the trade period, draft period. So I don't think it'll be them. I feel really uneasy. So I think a a few people will pick the club I'm going to. I feel a bit uneasy doing it. Mm. I'm going to say Collingwood. Okay. I don't feel good about it. Yep. They did win a lot of close games last year, and there's people think there's probably an, a slight element of l- luck to that. Mm. I don't really subscribe to that, but they did finish within a kick of the grand final, so there's not a lot of space to go up. Yeah, I still think they'll play finals, but I think they'll be down around that bottom, that seven eight, and I think they could they could be a first week casualty. So to go okay. from being a kick from the grand final to maybe being a first week casualty, that's. I would say that's a drop. I don't. I couldn't identify another team that I saw plummeting, mm. plummeting. Um, it is hard down the ladder. It? I found it quite difficult, and I usual. do. I do really like what Collingwood's team. Yeah. The question mark is still: Will they have enough firepower in their forward line to kick goals? But mm. their defence looks great. Darcy Moore and um, Braden Maynard, like they've got a great defensive setup. We know their midfield's terrific. Nick Dacos will play more midfield. I don't feel great about it, but I will say Collingwood. Well, I'm actually going to be a bit controversial and go with the team that they beat. Uh, sorry, that beat them to make the grand final. I think the Swans will Sydney, drop. I, I, I wonder what people will make of them so, this season as well. Look, if, if there is, and I might have said this last year, but if there is any team that can break what seems to have been a curse in recent years, that if you get smashed in the grand final, you don't make the finals the next year. If there's any team professional enough to beat that curse, it is the Swans. Mm. Um, you, gosh, you wouldn't want to be backing them to miss the finals. But no. there is something about their rise. Ever since they beat us in that first game in, was that 2021? Was that yeah? Ever since then, there's been something about the rise that hasn't quite made sense to me. I don't quite see it on the list just yet. It still feels like there should be a couple more years, uh, like uh, less advanced in their build. And I just think we saw this exposed on Grand Final Day. And and as I mentioned, um, the history has been that if you get smashed in the Grand Final, if you make the Grand Final and get smashed, you generally don't have a good year the following year. Isn't it weird? Just the men. You're right. Yeah. Because we've seen examples of it. Plenty of examples. But mm. you think about just the mentality of a Grand Final Day. Geelong smashed Sydney on grand final day. We think, mm, how's Sydney going to respond to that? Yeah. Geelong smashed Brisbane in preliminary yes, final seven yes. days early, but we don't think that's going to be a problem. No. But I'm with you. Like The evidence is there that shows that it, it has affected some teams. Well, teams who've been smashed in the prelim have often actually come back. And, yep. I mean, the best case in point is Geelong. 
they yep. even smash them in the prelim the year mm-hmm. before they come back and win the thing. So I don't I don't really know what it's about, whether you know, whether it's just pure coincidence. That's the most likely yep. option, obviously. But it could also be that something about all the build up of grand final so to get yep. there and experience that and then have that as your lingering taste through the the summer. It's just I, I don't hard. agree with you with the swans, but I'm keen to see I, I like the thinking though. I do yeah. think there's some merit to your thinking. Yeah. Well, I, I also really dislike the swans. So <laughs> they're in my bottom three or four teams. Not not really? a fan. I, yeah, this I don't you I, don't I have quite that? like them, yeah. Okay. I actually, like, I quite no, like them. No, they annoy yeah. me so much. And I'll tell you why they annoy me, Mike. They annoy me because no team – it's the reason I, I can't stand Geelong. And the reason that when I was a rugby league fan, I understood why people hated the Broncos, back then at least. Yeah. No team should be able to consistently make finals that often. You can't, You shouldn't <laughs> be able to sort of defy the, uh, the the cycle that's meant to take place. It's all poppy syndrome. For well, it's kind just, of. It's just it, all those years that we weren't anywhere near the finals and the Swans just, yeah, they're there again, yeah. there again. Again, again. <laughs> just got frustrated. Now, obviously, I hope the Lions. Oh, damn don't it! Do we that. missed the finals for two years. <laughs> well, I actually remember. What a drought! I think it was under Ivan Henjak when he was the Broncos coach. This is oh, twenty twelve yeah. or something. The, the Broncos missed finals two years in a row. Oh, it was crisis. And well, the Courier Mail legitimately back page. They called it the a premiership drought. <laughs> now they had been six years since their last premiership. <laughs> That's not a drought. It <laughs> rained six days ago. That's not a drought in anyone's book. Anyway, so that's that's uh, that's what I'm going to say, Sydney. There, and then we're going to end with the, the the big one, probably here. This is going to be a really big talking point um, for the coming weeks until it does get announced. Is the 2023 captain of the Lions? Um, obviously, there was the controversy around Dane Zorko last year in the Demons game in round 23, um, and you know th- there were some calls after that that perhaps Zork shouldn't captain the the club going forward. I think the those calls have probably largely been put to bed, at least with the, the level of vitriol maybe they had at the time. And, mm. and that was, as uh, as anyone who's been around the clubs would know, that was a heavily nuanced situation, much more than the initial reporting uh, made it out to be. But still, I think there's probably a sentiment amongst Lions fans that it's time for a fresh voice, for a fresh leader. Do you think it will be Dane Zorko this year? And, and if not, who do you think it will be? No, I think there will be a fresh voice. I yep. think it'll be Lockie Neal. Yeah, okay. Um. I thought about it a lot, particularly mm. around that time, and Dane's done an amazing job. I'm not going to um, yeah. preface everything, but Dane's done a fantastic job. I think he's he is best served now a couple of capacities. One, concentrating on his footy, which he's done during the preseason, looks um, in amazing shape, has had mm. some great continuity, probably his best preseason to this stage for a number of seasons because he's had the plantar and Achilles issues over the previous couple of preseasons. So I think a fit... Um, dynamic Dane Zorko adds to Brisbane immeasurably. Yeah, and I still and I think he can help like a little transition here. I don't think Lockie Neal's obviously not a long term option. I think it's like a a bridging option, I would call it. A couple mm. of a couple of years of of Lockie and then to the next captain. Because I don't think, in my opinion, you, you might have someone different. You're gonna pop up here uh, as an option. But I don't think the next candidate is ready just yet. I think okay. they're still a year or two or three away yet. So I would just lean towards towards Lockie Neal. Interesting. I like it. Um, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. I actually think there might be co-captains this year. Yeah, I don't think that's um, controversial. I've thought, I've thought that as well, yeah. I mean, it depends on who you say, of course. If you say it's Zach Bailey and, uh, <laughs> and, Darcy and, and Connor McKenna or yeah. something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, look, here's what I'm thinking uh, on this one. So it, we've had a sense for a while that Harris has been groomed as the yep. next captain. 
Uh, my thinking on that is is just that it's very hard, not impossible, but very hard to captain a team from fullback. Yeah, we I, haven't I seen many. We yeah. haven't seen many. Now, if anyone could do it, probably is Harris. But I actually think it might be a scenario where Lockie Neal is a, a co-captain alongside, and this is the name I'm going to throw out there, Cam Rayner. Um, well, uh, uh, you yeah. go, you go. Well, I, I think Cam Rayner should be the next long-term captain of the Lions. Um, uh, everyone who talks about him internally. Again, he's still the player who you mentioned him and everybody at the club smiles. Mm. There is a sense of of he brings people together. Obviously, he's great in the media. He's great in all the off-field stuff. But I also noticed last year, particularly in that Geelong game, he was the inspirational leader in that mm. final who stood up and led when others uh, weren't in that game. And he's done that a couple of times, actually. So I think long-term, he. I did look into this, actually. He is now the same age that Michael Voss was when Vossi became captain alongside Alistair Lynch in, in 1997. So I I actually think for the long-term future of the club, Cam Rayner would be a great choice as captain. It's It's been a little bit of a poison chalice the last, uh, ever since Jonathan Brown. Mm. Um, Tom Rockliffe obviously stepped into the captaincy and and Rocky had, uh, you know, did some wonderful things for the club, but there were some some controversies as well with Rocky at times. And then you throw in Dane Beams that followed and obviously we know that ended quite, you know, in quite a bit away as well. And then we've seen what's happened with, with Zork last year as well. So I feel like the, the club really needs a, a lovable, likable mm. um, kind of captain. And I think Cam Rayner's the guy. I I like it because yeah. he's the guy I would look to post Lockie Neal. So it's yeah, interesting okay. that you're probably just a little bit more fast track than I am. Yep. Again, you're the bit more proactive and I'm <laughs> a little more conservative. But yeah. I, I agree with you. Like out of the quote unquote younger guys, mm. he's the guy I would hope to emerge in the next couple of years. And there is other names. You mentioned Harris Andrews. Jared Berry's had raps for a long time. Potentially Hugh McCluggage, a yep. very quiet guy, but a – um, well-connected guy at the Brandon club. Brandon Stasevich as well Brandon could be an option. Very, again, a bit like Huey, very quiet yeah. and probably similar to Harris, back line, not mm. sure how that works. But, yeah, I, I like the way you think because I do think longer-term Cam looks like a good option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting definitely. to see the way it plays out, though. We'll probably learn a bit more in the next, you know, and probably in three or four weeks' time, I reckon. And that does lead us very well into what the next three or four weeks of this podcast will look like, I suppose. Uh, the intra-clubs have started last Friday. There's going to be more coming up on the Fridays ahead. Um, if people want to find out where that is, maybe one of us will tweet it out when we find out. Uh, but they'll be doing that for a couple of weeks before we get to our pre-season uh, fixtures. So the next couple of weeks, as I said, every week now, pretty much from here until the end of the trade period of the drafts, you're going to get this podcast every single week. So make sure you have subscribed and you are here following us for all the latest. Um, we've got a lot to jump into in these weeks, Mike. We've got best 22s mm. that we're going to both give out. Uh, we're going to get to your questions as well. We're going to preview the fixture. We're going to look ahead to all these sorts of things. Um, we might try to have a bit of a chat about uh, next week on the podcast about Dara Joyce, the, the new recruit the club has signed a couple of weeks ago now uh, to, to replace Marcus Adams on the list. For now, though, just before we wrap up, I um, wanted to mention the ways you can support the, the raw deal in 2023. We are out on our own now. We uh, we do no longer have the the nice umbrella of the club over the top of us. So any support that you could do for the podcast would be wonderful. And obviously the main one, the main way to support us is just listen and uh, subscribe yeah. and stay with us on the journey. Um, I'd also say on that, if you know Lions fans and they don't know the raw deal, let them know. Say, hey, there's this podcast about the Lions. Maybe the people you sit with at the footy or maybe the other parents at your junior footy on the weekend, whatever it might be. Um, the best way to get the word out there is if listeners say, you should tune in and hear how wrong they are in their crystal ball predictions every week. <laughs> we still think it's a great way to yeah. connect new fans to the club. Even yes, though we're not yeah. directly affiliated with the club anymore, yeah. it is a great way to 
introduce people to the sport, mm. pr- progress their knowledge, their enjoyment. We hope it's enjoyable. Um, <laughs> One way or another. Yeah. Well, and I think we also love being on the journey with you all as well and getting the, the questions on Twitter and, and whatever else. So, um, yeah, that, I suppose that's the first thing is is spread the word if you can and, and stay with us. If you want to go to the next level of support as well, uh, we have jumped on Patreon and you can find that either by going to our Twitter feeds. We tweeted out the, the link to that uh, last week or you can search for The Raw Deal on Patreon. And uh, firstly, what that does is support us to just keep this thing going um but also you get a couple of perks in there you get early access to the podcast so we'll post this monday night in the patreon group and then tuesday morning in the feeds but maybe most excitingly mike is we're going to open a or we have opened a facebook group a closed facebook group um for raw deal members people who are part of the patreon community this is a chance to have a little forum to talk footy with other lions fans but also you and i are in there uh, we'll engage in the conversation and and we are looking um every week when teams drop on a on a thursday night or if it's a thursday Thursday game on a Wednesday night, you and I will go on Facebook Live for 10 minutes or so, talk about the other team news that has just dropped to kind of a second mini episode each week. Mm. And uh, and also when we're there doing that, um, answer some questions in Facebook Live as well. So you can join us live when that happens or like any Facebook Live video, catch up later in the day and watch it there. So there's a whole, avenues of way, a whole bunch of avenues of ways to, to get on board and support the Raw Deal this year. Whether you want to jump on board as a Patreon and, and help us uh, keep things going, whether you just want to subscribe and listen and share the news or just uh, jump in every now and then and listen to an episode when there's been a good win, yeah. whatever. <laughs> the case we are just so grateful for for everybody who has um i guess helped us keep this thing going mike because that's why we're here doing this is in my basement is because when things wrapped up with a club uh people said please keep going honestly it was too overwhelming to not we know there's Mm. support out there we knew there was support for us out there that's why the club kept us on for so long because people were listening to us but the overwhelming nature of the not just that people are listening but they were that you guys were so proactive in letting us know hey guys we want you to keep going like yeah. that was pretty overwhelming and quite flattering to be honest so it really was um <laughs> it really was. there was no way we couldn't continue it in <laughs> yeah. one sh- way or another and this is the way we've kept going what an amazing well, I mean, I. <laughs> the only problem is we've set the bar so high. I know, I know. <laughs> we've started with the best guest you could ever have. Hey, guys, I've got news for you. It's not going to get any better in terms of guests. <laughs> Our jibber might get better, but in terms yeah. of guests, it's probably not going to get much better. It, it is hard to top that. I mean, it is. we'll them. do our best. We'll we try. Will. Maybe Zach Bailey comes in when we get the yeah. pub over together. I mean, because Zach Bailey, he'll be the player of this century. Lee Matthews is the player of the last century. Zach will be the player of this century. So we'll get him on in advance, obviously. Yep. But but yeah, I mean, I remember texting you, Mike, when uh, when we were getting all these messages on Twitter to keep going and saying, it turns out people actually do listen to what we do, yep. which is kind of lovely. But um, any support you'd like to have and be involved would be would be wonderful. Um, but but please do come on the journey with us. It's so great to, to share this ride um, with you, whether that's, as I said, the occasional podcast through Patreon or doing what Justin's doing and sending us some of your memorabilia to, uh, <laughs> to set up the raw deal cave in here we'll have to get some photos and videos of our studio up uh, maybe in the patreon that people can go and have a look at that and uh and see the new setup we have here in the basement uh as we do wrap things up mike i know it is summer there's no aircon down here how's the heat been for you You, not too bad actually a bit of heat training for me no i'm training for a couple (laughs) of uh got a very big running race coming out which i might chat about next week okay um, bit of bit of of heat training mate yeah it does work a treat well and look these if it's not that bad at the end of january it's not going to be too bad for the whole run i reckon it'll uh it'll be fine as we go forward so this podcast will be in your feed every tuesday morning going forward next week 
We're going to talk best 22s. We're going to look at the early intra-club form that has been happening and uh, maybe see if we can get a guest on somebody from the club to chat about the season ahead as well. All that and so much more coming up on The Raw Deal. Things are underway. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we will see you here, same spot, same place next week.